beginning in Exodus chapter 13 and verse 21. It says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel from day and by night. And the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-Haroth, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal-Ziphon. And you will encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say to the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land, and the wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all of his host. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Israel, the king of Egypt was told that the people of, had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, this is what they have done, that they have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were out, going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them and encamped them at the sea by Pi-Hirioth in front of Baal-Ziphon. When Pharaoh drew nearer, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what you said? Is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord with which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through on the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all of his host, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I've gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And then in verse 21, it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground and the waters being a wall to them on the right hand and on their left and the Egyptians pursued and went in after them in the midst of the sea all of Pharaoh's horses his chariots and his horsemen and in the morning in the morning watch the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, 
Let us flee from before the Lord, for the Lord fights against them, against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fled into it, and the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The water returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all of the host of Pharaoh that followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right and to their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians so that the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. Let's take a look at Exodus chapter 14 uh, this morning. Exodus chapter 14. Now, you're not going to believe this, but when I was in school, sometimes I talk too much. It's hard to imagine, uh, but I really struggled talking too much in grades 1 through 12. Uh, Those were the years, and then college wasn't so easy either, and I think in seminary I may have gotten in a little bit of trouble uh, as well. But in particular, fifth grade seems to have been peak talkative Tim. In fact, I think I had a t-shirt that said peak talkative Tim. That, that was the worst. And I think partly I had a couple of teachers that year that were really kind of on the strict side and they had a very defined discipline program for their classroom. And what they did is that if you talked once, you got your name on the board the, the, the first time. Uh, I don't know that my name ever came off the board the entire year. And then if you talked, then you would get a, a check mark. And as you got check marks, you would lose your, your recess time uh, for the year. And I got to tell you, I'm not even sure if I even knew what recess was that year. Uh, I, I was check mark, check mark, check mark all, all year long. Well, there was one day when, when our teacher, Mr. Walker, had, um, he had neglected to grade some papers for us, which was fine with me. I wasn't necessarily in a hurry to see my grades, but for some reason he felt bad about the fact that he had neglected to turn some papers back. And so what he said is, he said, because I haven't turned these papers back, I'm erasing all of the check marks for the day. To which I said, yes! And he wrote my check mark back up. Just like that, for a moment, I thought I had freedom. Just for that split second, I thought I was home free. I thought I was going to have recess. I thought I was going to be free from the bondage of sitting in the timeout while everyone else was playing. Just for that moment. And then it passed just as fast as it came. Now, I'm not saying it's the same story as the Israelites. But you can get just a tiny bit of that flavor. Here it is. They have been released from this bondage. Here it is. They have finally been set free. This thing that for generations that they have been waiting for, they didn't really believe it was possible. They didn't think this would ever happen inside of their life. And here they are. They march out. The scripture tells us they march out defiantly. They march out triumphantly. They march out with excitement. And they say, we are free. And then they suddenly hear 
the rumble of the chariots. And as they turn their gaze to the horizon, they see the dust beginning to stir in their view. And as they turn to run away, they feel the spray of the Red Sea on their faces. The freedom that they thought they had was about to be gone that fast. At least that's what it feels like for them in that moment. All of this is about to be gone. All of it is about to disappear. All of this thing that we've been waiting for, it is about to fall apart and the worst is about to happen to us once again. Now, what we have here in our reading this morning is the great miracle of the parting of the Red Sea, where the people walk through on the dry land. I love the vividness of the language where it talks about the sea was a wall on one side and a wall on the other side. You almost get the picture of one of those places where you like uh, the Aquarium of the Americas, where you, you walk through and there's this glass thing and you see all, the, I, I really want to know whether it looked like you could see all the sea creatures in there and look at it. So they, they walk through on dry land. It's an amazing miracle. This morning, I want to spend a little bit more of my time thinking about the moments before the miracle and the moments after the miracle. I don't want you to miss the miracle in any way whatsoever. The, the miracle is there, and I want you to see that. They walk through on dry land, and God rescues them on that day. He saves his people on that day. But I, I'm drawn this morning to the things that happen before and after. And I think that those are the things that I would have you hear from God this morning in as we look at this passage of Scripture. One of the things that I would want you to hear and one of the things that I would want you to know this morning and recognize in this passage of Scripture is that God leads us to some surprising places. God leads us to some surprising places. The reason why I wanted to pick up the last couple of verses of chapter 13 is because there's this amazing thing that it tells us. It's almost just a little bit of a footnote here. Scripture tells us more about it in other places and at other times. But here in this moment, there's this first mention of the fact that there is this pillar of cloud in the daytime and there is this pillar of fire at night that rests over the people of God. Uh, I got to tell you, this is one of the things that I'm probably most curious about in terms of Scripture. I want some more details. I want to know what this looks like. I want to know what this feels like. I, I want to know how this works. What I know is what the Scripture tells me here, is that there is a pillar of cloud. There is a pillar of fire. And, and there are a handful of things that happen. That this, this pillar of cloud and this pillar of fire it does three things for the people of God. One thing, it gives them direction. We're going to see in other places in Scripture in particular that when that pillar of cloud or fire picks up and moves, the people of God are supposed to follow it wherever it goes. Man, how would you like that in your life today? Every time that you had a decision to make, Every time that you had a choice to make, every time that you had a big question that you were praying about, that you would just have to follow this pillar of fire and this pillar of cloud, and it would just pick up and go, and you would follow that thing and say, okay, I know where to go. Man, that, that, would, be, that would be fantastic. When you're trying to decide between two jobs, and the pillar of cloud just picks up and says, this is the one. I'm like, 
That's where I'm going. I'm going to follow that. The pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire also provides illumination. It allows the Israelites to do some things at night that they couldn't do at night because it was, the, the fancy word is dark outside. Uh, but, but there is this pillar of fire that it provides illumination. It, it helps them to see things that they could not see on their own. I want you to know that that's one of the great things that God does for us in our lives. He helps us to see things that we would not be able to see on our own. He provides illumination, insight, sheds a light on things that would be a mystery for our lives apart from that. I love the fact that God does that for us in our lives. And then the third thing is that the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire does it just helps you to know that God is there. It just helps you to know that God is there. I wonder where God is in my life today. Well, look, there's this pillar of cloud. There's this pillar of fire. It is right there. You are literally living in the shadow of the presence of the Almighty. It is right there for you to see, feel, and know. How great is that to have this presence of God that reveals direction, illumination, and then just a reminder that I am here. That is fantastic. Until God takes you someplace that you don't want to go. Until that pillar of cloud or fire takes a turn that is different than the one that you expected, than the one that you wanted, the one that you thought God really needed to do. And he takes you to a different place. In this passage of Scripture, the people have been freed from Egypt. They are heading out of town. They are on their way back to the promised land where their roots are from, and they are heading that direction. And then the word of God comes to Moses and says, Turn back. The whole plan was to leave. If you're running away, don't turn back. If you're trying to go someplace new, you don't turn back. If you're trying to get away from someone who's chasing you, you don't turn back. But in this moment, God says, here's the plan. Go backwards. It doesn't make a bit of sense. And you could kind of hear inside of the people's minds and their hearts and their spirits, oh, no, no, this is not right. This is not good. This is not logical. This is not what we're supposed to be doing. Why on earth would we go back when we're supposed to be going away? And so it tells us that they kind of expected to go on the northeast plan, and instead they, they circle back. And in circling back, they're getting closer to Egypt. In, in, in circling back, it keeps them in the reach of Pharaoh. In circling back, it allows Pharaoh to change his mind. In circling back, it puts them in a vulnerable position where they are between Pharaoh and the deep Red Sea. And that's their fear. And that's exactly what happens. Pharaoh says, you know, thinking about this, this may have been the dumbest decision that I made this week. I'm going to change my mind. I've changed my mind before. I've got the power. I can go get them. I can bring them back. And so Pharaoh completely changes his mind. I don't know 
how often you find yourself someplace that you don't really want to be. It, it, it may be that this week you're going to be. It, it could be this morning that you're in a place that you don't want to be. It, it could be that this very church service is someplace where you don't want to be. But I want you to know that sometimes God leads us to surprising places. Now the truth is sometimes you and I can find ourselves in a surprising place that we don't really want to be because, let's just be honest, sometimes we messed up. Sometimes we've been disobedient to the things that God would have us to be and sometimes we find ourselves in a stuck position because we've been disobedient or rebellious or we've disregarded or we've sinned and because of that we've landed here. In fact, we talked a little bit in the last couple of weeks about sometimes when we shake our fist at God and say, well, God, why did you do this? Well, God didn't do it. We did it. And we blame God for our disobedience. Now, truth is, that happens sometimes. And none of us can ever raise our hand and say, well, that's never happened to me. Oh, no, no, I, I bet you every one of us have found ourselves in the wrong place because we messed up. But the truth also is that sometimes we find ourselves in places where we prefer not to be, not because we messed up, but because God is at work. Like, well, this isn't where I want to be, but God says, I, I've got a plan. I, I'm working on something. I, I'm doing a work inside of your life. Sometimes before I became your pastor, I, I listened to some of your worship services, and I got to listen to Dr. Tolbert preach to you all. And one of the things that Dr. Tolbert would talk about sometimes, he says, it is for God's glory and for your good. His glory and your good. God moves the Israelites to a very place that they don't want to be. Why? It's for his glory and for their good. In fact, it says it right here in the text. He says, I'm doubling you back. I'm taking you back to this place. I'm hardening the heart of Pharaoh one more time so that they will see the glory of God and know that I am the one true God. Well, I don't want to be here. Yes, but God is going to be glorified by the fact that you are in a place that was not your first choice or second choice, third choice, or fourth, fourth choice to be. He says, but I'm going to be glorified in that. The people around you are going to see the character, the nature, the goodness of God. And so sometimes he has put us in a surprising place because it's going to reveal his glory. But also he says to the people of Israel, you see those Pharaoh, you see those Egyptians, you hear, you, you hear those chariots. You're never going to see them ever again. You see, they thought that by running away that they would be safe, but God says, no, by doubling back, you're going to be safe. He says, if they had left the way they intended to, they would have spent their entire rest of their lives looking back over their shoulder. Is Pharaoh coming today? Is today the day the chariots are coming? Is today the day that he's going to change his mind? Is today the day that he's going to come after us? But for their good, he says, I'm going to take you back. And I'm going to settle this once and for all. Even though the people never would have imagined it, never would have chosen it for themselves, they will never see them again. You see, God leads us to some surprising places. Here's something else that I think is important for you to know in this passage. 
and that is that God knows what you're ready for, in parentheses, what you're not ready for. We didn't go back to it, but in the middle of chapter 13, one of the things it says is that God led them out, and they thought that they were going to go on the way of the Philistines. They thought they were going to go the most direct route. They were going to take the shortcut. But it tells us that God said he did not take them that way because he knew that they would meet conflict, war, and battle. And as soon as they met conflict, war, and battle, that they would turn around and march right back into Egypt. A couple other verses later, though, it says that the people of Israel marched out of Egypt ready for war. Now here's the thing. They are dressed for war. Mentally, they think, look at all of us. We are ready to fight and to defend ourselves. We can do this. But God looks at them and says, you may have dressed the part, but you're not ready. You want to be ready, but it's not now. The time is going to come, but it's not now. And there are times and things in our lives where we say, I'm ready to do this. Why can't I do this now? And the answer is, you're not ready. It's not time. And God knows the things that we are ready to do. He knows the timing for those things. Now, he has quickly proven right because as soon as that dust of those chariots appears on the horizon, as soon as the rolling thunder of those chariots come, the Israelites, they panic. You, you can hear it in their words. As soon as they see that, as soon as they recognize their circumstances, they cry out and they say to Moses, why did you do this? Moses says, man, none of this was my idea. He says, I was just taking care of some sheep in the wilderness, man. This, don't blame me for this. I, I, I'm only doing what I'm told. Moses, why did you do this? And then the grumbling and the whining and maybe just a little bit of drama comes out. And their words, their, their words to Moses is, were there not any graves in Egypt for us to die that you brought us out here to the wilderness to die? Was there a cemetery shortage? Is that the reason why we had to come out here? I mean, they, they really just jumped it up immediately to this top of the line, whining and complaining. They, they, they just panic in this moment. And in fact, they say to Moses, this is why we told you, leave us alone so that we can serve the Egyptians forever. Well, it's not really clear that they had ever said that before. Now, there were a couple times that they said, Moses, leave us alone, you're making things worse. But they never said, listen, Moses, we want to be slaves forever. But in their panic, in their fear, in their unreadiness, these are the words that they blurt out. And Moses has to speak to them and say, fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord today. And hear those words. Fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord today. 
In fact, he continues and he says, listen, the Lord your God will fight for you. All you have to do is be silent. Now, when I was studying this passage of Scripture, when I was reading through here, and I just kind of make notes as, as I go through the text, the first thing that I say, man, they sure are whining. Boy, I, they, they just cannot stop from blurting out the first thing that comes to their mind. And then I thought, well, maybe I'm being harsh. You know, maybe, maybe me looking backwards, uh, I'm being a little bit difficult. But when you read the passage, it says, listen, all you need to do is be quiet. That's what God's word to them is. All of your words, all of your panic, it's not helping. The first thing that comes to mind isn't always the best thing that comes to mind. Have you ever found that to be true? Just be still. Let God do this work. He is going to handle it. He is going to provide everything that you need in this moment. Our words sometimes actually make things worse. What he says is, listen, fear not. Stand firm. You're going to see the salvation of the Lord. God himself is going to fight for you. You just have to be still. You just have to be quiet. Let God do that work that he wants to do. He knows that we're not ready to do it. So he says, I'll carry this. I will own this. I will lift this. You just have to trust me in this moment. God knows what we're ready for and what we're not ready for. I would also tell you that God asks us to trust him. God asks us to trust him. Now, this is really interesting because the people grumble. Moses gives them this great word, fear not. Stand firm. You're going to see the salvation of the Lord. He's going to fight for you. You just have to be you just have to be silent. Moses gets it right, but here in chapter 14 and verse 16, listen to what God says to Moses. In verse 15, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Well, we don't see Moses' cry, but it seems like between the lines here, the people of God whined, panicked, complained, blurted out their doubt. Moses spoke firmly to them and says, listen, fear not, stand firm, you're going to see the salvation of the Lord. But something in the middle here, it seems as though Moses catches the doubt of the people. It seems as though Moses carries these things to God himself. It seems as though God has to ask Moses, hey, Moses, do you believe what, what you just got done saying? All of the words that you spoke to them, do you believe that yourself? Have you applied that to your own life? So Moses can stand up and say, listen, trust God. And then he goes to his prayer closet and he doesn't trust God. He, he, he comes before God and he cries out all of these same things. And, and it says almost as though God says, listen, 
there are some things that you don't even have to pray about. I've got it. I'm going to show you how to do this. He says in verse 15, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Trust me. I've got this. I've got it taken care of. And so what God tells Moses to do is really a remarkable thing. See that body of water? March all of the people into it. Just march into the body of water. I'm going to protect you. The safe place is the place where you least expect it. Do you trust me? Moses, hold up your staff and wait till you see what I can do. And he splits the water and the people march across on dry land. It's an amazing thing. And then the second amazing thing is that just as fast as God had parted those waters like curtains, he closes them on the Egyptians. And the amazing thing is that on the other side of the Red Sea, the people of Israel stand back and look, and they see the destruction of the greatest army of the day. They see crashing on the shores of the Red Sea the horses and the chariots because God has rescued his people in that day. It's an amazing thing. But here's the thing. Moving forward, jumping ahead in history, every time Israel had a problem, you know what they did? They called Egypt, on, Egypt up on the phone. They said, Egypt, we're having some tough times. Can you send some horses and some chariots? In fact, it becomes such a problem that one of the things that you'll see in the book of Psalms is that there is this statement that says, some people trust in horses and chariots, but I trust in the Lord. Now that always rings true inside of me because I think that we have such a pull to find horses and chariots in this world, places where we assume the power lies and say, now that's how things are going to get solved. And God said, it's not the horses, the chariots. It's me. If you want this world to change, if you want your family to change, if you want this church to change, if you want your own soul, your own spirit to change, it's not horses and chariots. It's God. Do you trust Him? And yet, by human nature, what we find ourselves doing all of the time is calling up Egypt and saying, can you send some horses and some chariots? Which has always been a convicting statement in my life. But when I read this passage this morning and I think about the people of Israel standing on the side of the Red Sea, watching the horses and the chariots washed up on the shore because God defeated the horses and the chariots, why would I ever call for horses and chariots? They saw firsthand. It's not the horses and the chariots. It's God. There are some battles in your life today. There are some struggles in your life today that are not going to be won with horses and chariots. They're going to be one 
but a God who will fight on your behalf and all you have to do is be silent and let God do what only God can do. Of all the people who never should have trusted in horses and chariots is the people who watch the horses and chariots wash up on shore because God did more than we imagined. And yet we have horses and chariots saved on our phone. It's not the horses and the chariots. It's God. What does this mean for our lives this morning? I kind of want to circle back. Remember the cloud, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. It was the direction of God. It was the illumination of God. It was the presence of God. And sometimes that presence of God would take us someplace where we didn't want to go, didn't expect to go, and doesn't seem like where we're supposed to be. So I guess one of the things that I want to ask you this morning is, man, is God leading you someplace different than what you expect? Has he dropped you someplace other than where you wanted to be? Man, maybe you need to let him do what he wants to do in that place for his glory and for your good. Are you fighting the leadership of God? because it doesn't seem like what your choice was. It's for your glory, for his glory, and for your good. And then I wonder about some of those first things that we say when we come across a difficult moment. And I'm not trying to pick on us because the whole book of Psalms is about people processing with God the difficulties that they face. But if we come to the place where we're blurting more than we're believing, I think there needs to be some adjustment inside of our life. And that's why sometimes God says, listen, just let me do this. And just hold your tongue just for a moment and see what it is that I want to do in this place. And then finally, he says to Moses, do, do you believe what you've told everyone else that you believe? Are you ready to do and to trust God with the totality of your life? Well, we talk about a really important thing in our faith, and that is that moment in which we turn our lives over to Christ. When we ask Him to fix the broken pieces of our life, to forgive us of our sins, to mend all the broken places, and we give Him our life. It's an act of great trust that says, God owning my life is better than me owning my life. It's a trust moment. And if you've never had that trust moment where you've handed your life over to Him and received His forgiveness and His healing and His restoration, then maybe today is the day that you're supposed to do.